Running Light Ministry podcast is brought to you by listeners like you. You can support these podcasts by making a gift to the ministries at runninglight.org. Welcome to the Better Pleasure podcast. My name is Bo. I'm Peter. And we're with Running Light Ministries, and we're going to talk to you today. This is going to be our second part of talking about pastors and issues of pornography and adultery. And kind of what we've thought is to put these on a a little bit of a jump drive for some of the leadership um, and hopefully some of the things we would answer, uh, you know, is going to benefit people. I mean, that's for sure. Last week, we had a great conversation. We talked a little bit about being transparent as a leader. Uh, we talked a little bit about um, uh, church leaders that, that they, they do struggle with sexual sin. Um, and we talked a little bit of, in the Bible. We used different people like Paul and like Peter and kind of talked about their confessions and how we saw that. Um, that that's a big part of even leadership, mm-hmm. uh, that First Peter chapter 5. Mm-hmm. Um we also talked about pastors that need to lead in that confession and the joy of it and not just doing it, but having a joy and being around it. And I think me and Peter wanted to kind of, uh, I thought it would be cool that we kind of do a little mock kind of uh, confessional to help people see kind of what we do. Mm. You know what I mean? So like... Like, uh, we'll just put the audience kind of like they're not here, but they're here. Yeah. Like if, you know, like say you at, like in a group setting, what would you say? In like a small group setting, like as a leader, what would you say to me? Right. So um, usually what we do when, when me and Bo confess is we, we have accountability groups on Tuesdays uh, where we'll hang out with a group of guys who also struggle in the same ways that we do. <clears throat> And at the end of the group, at the end of the Bible study, what we do is, you know, following James 5.16, confess your trespasses to one another so that we can pray for one another, that we might find healing. So we're, it's not just me confessing, but it's all of us confessing to each other our different struggles throughout the week. And, and the, So even though you're a leader, it's like you're still a part of it. That's right. And and actually, I, I see it a lot. And I actually, you know, I, I learned this a lot from you, Bo, that like when we're uh, when we're in the group, when I'm running the group, I find it really important for me to actually lead the confessional and to go first because um, there, there's that, there's that inclination in people when I'm teaching about pornography or sexual sin after I'm done, you know, reading the Bible, which is so intense and pure, that people get this idea in their heads of like Peter has got this down you know like he's he's nailed this down he's not dealing with it anymore and so it's really important for me to to lead by confessing so what we do is we we ask three point blank questions of you know did you masturbate this week uh did you view pornography this week uh or did you have any lustful like fantasies uh that you feel like went too far you know where you you know maybe you were you were fantasizing uh, even about your wife in, in, a, in an yeah. inappropriate kind of way of, of, you know, she's not there and you're just being very selfish and you're fantasizing about her or fantasizing about other women or however it is. Um, and, and you confess that. You confess your thought life. Um, so if we were in a group setting, you know, what, what I would say is I would say like, hey, you know, this week was I would either say, hey, this is a great week, you know, no porn, no self-gratification, no impure thoughts. Or I would say, hey, man, this has been it's been kind of a rough week. Yeah, like what, like, like a Pe- like Peter, why don't you just ask me what you would ask? Okay. Uh, so, Bo, how was your week? And then I would, you know, just, I, you know, Peter it was a tough week. This week was a tough week, man. Struggled with lust, in many ways. Uh, Self gratified. Watched porn. Um, man, I was at the uh, 
I was at the mall the other day and I saw, you know, some people that really kind of stirred up things in me. Um, so it wasn't the greatest week. Hmm. Yeah. And, and at that point, you know, what we would do in the group is pray for each other. Like we would confess, everyone would confess, we would pray for each other. And then after the group's over, and then we have an opportunity to just, uh, first of all, to affirm people, just be like, man, that's, that's great that you're confessing, man. That's like, that's a part of the, the grace and the glory of God you know, that we shine his glory through, through admitting our weaknesses and that we, we shine his forgiveness by admitting our weaknesses and that, that, um, that affirmation and that, that strength really helps out. And then what we do is we kind of delve a little bit deeper, you know, like what, what's been going on this week that you, that these things have been happening, or maybe I, I would talk to him about, you know, if he mentioned that he viewed porn, I would ask him, you know, like, where did you view porn? Like, yeah. how did you do that? You know, I'd say, well, man, I've, you know, really been struggling with my phone Yeah. a lot, you know, and that seems to be the area that, that's got me. Yeah. And so then I would say something like, you know, do you have any accountability software on there? Do you have anything that, you know, protects you when you're, when you're on it? Yeah. And so, so that's kind of how this dialogue would go. Yeah. Um, you know, and, um, and that's okay. Sometimes, you know, it's so it's so nice to have a place where people can talk about those things and be able to share those things without this idea of something's gonna like, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's kind of what it looks like just to have uh, a confessional time, <clears throat> which is good. Now, um, it's important to to understand that um, these kind of times. Uh, are not just to be in the life of people who, again, struggle with lustful inclinations towards uh, sexual, whether it's voyeur, voyeurism or or homosexuality or, or you know what I mean? Or I, I shouldn't put those two together, but voyeurism, right. meaning watching, or, or people that act out. It shouldn't just be in those type of things, meaning act out like as in physically wanting other people. Mm. But... Um, it should be in everybody's life. And that's, that's the weird part about this yeah. is that for those, uh, for those that are, are in our circles, you know, we've created an environment where people can actually come and confess it, it kind of a little bit like the Catholic church hmm. in a way where you can go to a confessional hmm. and you can say something to the priest hmm. and get something off your chest and but in this environment obviously it's much closer it's more intimate you see these people every week Mm. um you know and there is an accountability to it meaning there is going to be always the hey are we doing something about it kind of follow-up yeah um you know but that's what we've created and sometimes i think of it that way that all i'm really doing is kind of redoing the catholic church in a way <laughs> you know yeah just kind of putting uh our own spin on it yeah you know type of thing but but you know this is an area that that because of its sensitivity um and what i mean by that is because sex is like we talked about just a titch last week but it's something that's not spoken about mm-hmm. whether how to have good or what is good sex or, or, you know, why is porn bad? We don't have these conversations. Mm. What kind of porn is bad? Is all porn bad? Mm. Uh, what is porn? What, yeah. you know, because we don't have these conversations, um, 
um, you know, sex is, is, that's what I mean by it's sensitive. Mm. It's a sensitive place, you know, because we, it's a vulnerable, we know, we all know in our hearts that sex is vulnerable. We all know sex is meaningful, mm. um, whether you're atheist or not. We all know it means something to us. Um, but yet, um, you know, so it, it, what that means is that when you have a group that's about sex and sexuality, there's a sensitivity, I guess, to it. Yeah. Other people look at it like, oh man, that's a, that's that group on sex. Yeah. Or, you know what I mean? It'd be, <laughs> yeah. it, it, it kind of has this little asterisk by it. Yeah. And that was, that was one of the major obstacles inside of my life. And I know we spoke on this, we touched on it last week, but uh, even what you mentioned with the Catholic Church or with Alcoholics Anonymous, that was my only understanding of confession when I was a young man attending church. Was like, oh, people who confess are Catholics and addicts. And I was like, oh, okay, so I, I always had like this negative view of it, of like, you know, you shouldn't have to do it. And even when I, I remember when I first started confessing, my idea was like, I'll do this just so long as it takes to get away from porn and then I'll stop. And uh, it, it, it's, it's not spoken of that way in the Bible. And, and like I said, we talked about this last week, but it's not something that you do to get off of porn. It's a way that you live your life to get closer to God. You know, so the, the time, there is a time when Christians will stop confessing. And that is when we're in heaven. You know, when we're in heaven and we know him as we are fully known and there's no more sin in our lives, then there will be no more need for confession. Yeah, and when you think of pastors and leaders, okay, when you think, you have to always ask the question, is like, is James 5.16 for pastors? Hmm. You know, is that passage for, does it apply to ministers? Hmm. You know, does Matthew, uh, the Sermon on the Mount, the or the prayer, hmm. um, you know, the confessional in prayer is that speak to ministers, hmm. you know, and again, we talked about Peter, we talked about Paul and their open confessionals in the Bible. Hmm. I mean, that's to everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, are these things two leaders? And if they are two leaders, then the question is, is okay. <clears throat> am I as a leader doing that? Am I in some form of, of that kind of accountability? Um, or do I just not need it? Do mm. I not need, you know, James five sixteen? Is that really not that important to me? Yeah. You know, um, and what, what we're saying is pastors that actually go to these groups and actually partake of, of this grace, what we call grace of confession. Mm. And I like what Pastor Scott calls it a, a cultural, uh, confessional culture, mm. you know, that we've created. Um, you know, what we're doing is just making that environment where we can live it out mm. in a safe in a place, mm. you know, um, where we can actually live this thing. Um, because confession is such, it seems like such an oddity mm. to people in general mm. that if you just, if you just create, if you try to create that kind of environment in a marriage or in a, in a congregation, um, it becomes almost like a shock. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, it's like books are always written about, you know, dating and, 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 you know, having an awesome marriage and having great sex. And, you know, those things are dimes a dozen, man. They come out all the time, yeah. you know, just more books about, you know, the blessings of honoring God in sex and all this stuff like that. Yeah. 
But usually none of those authors deal with, you know, their own confessional within, right. within right. the environment. Yeah. Like, hey, I was having sex with my wife, and man, something happened. Something popped up in my head. Yeah. Or... Or you know what I mean, or something like that. You don't you don't get that usually in those yeah. books. At best, they'll say, <clears throat> back you know in ten years ago, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> before I before I was saved. This is or you know before I had this great you know spiritual awakening. This is the kind of stuff I used to do. But uh, th- there will be no confessions of now, and and that's that's what me and Bo are getting at. Of like you know that it all the time when we when we don't do this, it's reiterating to ourselves our fellow staff members, our fellow congregants, that confession is an oddity when it's not. You know, it's it should be the the average for every single person. Or, who, or it's who just it. not, or it's not for us. Yeah, or it's not for you us. You know, which yeah. is a worse kind of prima donna point of view. Yeah. And that's, that's the tough part is because sin we know is deceitful. Mm. And I know sin is deceitful. And it's like, and that's, that's what you, that Bonhoeffer brought up last week is that it's so deceitful that confession is a massive humbling Mm. of those things. So when I say, Hey, you know, this week wasn't a good week, you know, and I describe that, Mm. you know, it puts me as just a normal human being. Mm. I'm just a guy, you know. And who struggles with this, Mm. you know, so I'm not on any, I don't have all the answers. I can't tell everybody that I'm perfect or at it or those type of things, you Mm. know? Um, And, and that, um, without that humbling, we fall into a greater sin Mm. and that, that becomes a huge issue that and I and I as a pastor I kind of believe that that might be the trick of Satan anyway hmm. you know when you think of like C.S. Lewis and screw tape letters and yeah. things like that it's like you know Satan's all about hey yeah just just man get him to where he thinks he's pure yeah you know where he thinks he's righteous yeah and he thinks he you know uh he doesn't have filthy garments and I kept thinking of Zechariah chapter three hmm. you know where uh, Joshua, the high priest, is standing before uh, the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to oppose him. Mm-hmm. And it says that Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and he was standing before the angel. I mean, this is the high priest. <laughs> man. the holiest dude. <laughs> that's right. This in is, the nation. <laughs> that's right. And he's standing before him with filthy garments. And, and notice, it's like, it's not that, it's not that Joshua changes uh, into Superman throughout the book <laughs> and he becomes a man like who doesn't struggle with stuff as a human being. Hmm. It's it's that he just is rendered clean, hmm. you know? And it's great because why? Because it says the Lord rebuke you, Satan. That's why. Hmm. It's because the Lord intercedes for him yeah, and that he is pronounced clean. But you see that Satan's Satan's goal there is to is to always accuse and and I think and trick and I think uh, we all have to realize that we stand before him with filthy garments and mm. and that he's up to something and when he, when we can get away from that uh, humility that Bonhoeffer's talking to if we get away from that then we it's not like our hearts are good and they're mm. just going to go the right way what we're going to do is develop a pride. Mm in our life that is going to be um, gnarly. And that's that's what's sad is when, because what happens as a minister, it seems like is 
you know, we can, it's easy for us to say, oh yeah, pornography, you know, it's, it's a $1 trillion industry. It's blah, 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 blah. Look, da, 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 da. You know, we could just really rip on stuff like that. Um, but we never get to our issue. Hmm. You know, we never get to our issue of the heart. Yeah. You know, and so we never get to our own humbling and uh, the the place where we, we stand before God and we know we stand before him with, do we really know we stand before God with filthy garments, mm. you know, or do we think we, we actually got the right garment on now? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, um, and I, I hope I'm not getting too deep. I hope, you know, that that's clear, but uh, I guess my point is, is that Satan can deceive us. Yeah. And if we're not, if we're not practicing just those simple, um, you know, confessionals, you know, then uh, we we can easily fall into a greater trap. And I think that's what's happened at large, mm. probably in the evangelical movement, um, to where so many people say, well, Christians, you know, commit adultery too. Mm. And, and they're like shocked. Yeah. <laughs> because, you know why? Because they never hear anybody ever confess yeah you know and i think a a great example that in the bible is when you compare someone like the apostle peter versus judas and what you see in judas is like after both of them blew it on the night of Jesus' betrayal hardcore you know judas betrayed jesus and that was really bad but then peter also denied jesus three times which we talked about last week which is really bad as well yeah and the difference that you see between Judas and Peter, why was one restored and why was one not? Well, you see immediately after Judas does what he does, you see that pride rising up in him because he's like, I'm not the kind of person who would do that. So he goes and he tries to make things right. You know, he goes to the priest and he tries to get back the money and tries to set Jesus free. And when he can't make things right, he kills himself. Mm. And Peter, all he does is it just says he weeps. Yeah. He just weeps. He knows, man, I'm a wreck and I need grace. And he's not restored until Jesus is risen again and he knows that he's forgiven. And that's that's really what we need to understand is that like so many ministers, they disqualify themselves from any t- type of ministry when this stuff comes out because they're like, I'm not the kind of person who would ever do that. And then when it comes out, they try to make things right and then things are, aren't clicking. You know, people aren't forgiving them. Their ministry is not recovering the way that they thought it would. And so they just give up and they, they peace out. Right. And the idea there is that like something in your mind at some point has said, you're a minister because you're a great person, yeah. you know, or because you're, you don't do that kind of stuff. When, what does Paul say? He says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. Yeah. You know, it's, it's Paul's like, dude, if it was, if it was by merit, I am the last person who should be an apostle. But because of grace, I'm an apostle. That's right. And so that confession is great for us leaders because what it does is it lets people know where we're at. Mm. <clears throat> you know, <clears throat> that kind of thing. None of us, we could all, we could all um, <clears throat> do something that, that you know, the, the I hate that. I, I don't like that word disqualify. Yeah. <clears throat> because I think if it's not used in context, it kind of becomes really negative in, yeah. in a major way. Um, yeah. And we should probably talk about that. That'd yeah. Be, yeah. Uh, about what, what the Bible, I mean, if you read first Corinthians nine or second Timothy two, where it uses that, those terms of disqualification. I mean, the, the best way and easiest way that I explain it to people 
is that like, well, what does it mean if, if someone's in the Olympics and they get disqualified? You know, what does that mean? Does that mean they can't run? No, it means that they ran and all their effort was counted for nothing because they cheated. And that's exactly what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9, and that's what he says in 2 Timothy 2, where he says, like, lest after I preached, I become disqualified. So as a minister, what he's saying is I could get up every Sunday and I could preach and I could do awesome things and I could lead Bible studies and thousands of people might come to the Lord. But if I am all the while, that entire time, I'm in rebellion against God and people don't know it, hey, that's great. God used me. But all the fruit from that is nothing in my life because of my own self-deception. You know, so I'm disqualified. So it's like, it, and that's exactly what Paul says early on in 1 Corinthians, where he says, in the last days, 1 Corinthians 3, where he says, God will test which kind each work was. And he says, some will be wood, hay, and stubble, but some will be precious metals on which better foundation would build. So there's this idea that like, man, there might be ministers who ministered their whole lives and they get up into heaven and God says, that was pride. That was arrogance. That was your own ego. And it's all going to burn up. Man, they'll be saved. They'll be in heaven with us. But all their labor will be nothing because of the deception that was in their own heart. Yeah. And so like, but most people, when they read those passages, they're like, man, if you, dude, if you like, if you sin in certain ways, God can't use you. Yeah. And it's like, well, where do you see that biblically? I mean, God used people who were totally died in sin, man. They, they totally wrecked their entire lives and God still used them. Yeah. And that's always the weird issue right is you have people that died in sexual sin too Oof. yeah you know? abraham yeah i mean yeah i mean david we go down the list, solomon right? gideon <laughs> judah yeah absolutely yeah. um you know these god guys, used them <laughs> god used them powerfully but that's a good way of thinking i, I think disqualification because when you do run and you're disqualified it means you you ran but you didn't run according to the rule mm. there was something that you didn't pay attention to so you don't get the rewards of the race yeah you know so you don't get the the trophy mm. uh you can't you don't qualify for a prize mm. so um you know you ran yeah <laughs> <laughs> you did it yeah you know you and god might have used you yeah powerfully man you might have led tons of people to the lord but yeah, yeah. you don't but get to, nothing from and it and to yeah. us like grace uh, confession is a grace so yeah. it's like to walk in that way um <clears throat> certainly prevents us from becoming disqualified, hmm. you know, because, you know, so it's weird because, you know, you can look at it this way. The Pharisees might have been disqualified not because of sexual sin, hmm. right? But it's because of pride. Hmm. It, you know, pride disqualified them from the fruit of any labor of bringing someone to Yahweh. Hmm. Um, hmm. And, and that's a bummer. Yeah, and I mean, some of Jesus' rebukes towards them are chilling, like bone chilling. Yeah, absolutely. Where he says things like, you bring one person to, he calls them proselytites. He says, you bring a proselytite to the true faith, but then you make him twice a son of hell. And we're like, how, how do you do that? How do you save somebody, and, yeah. but then make him a son of hell? Right. Well, it's through what? Like if I'm, if I'm ministering to someone and I have this lifestyle of pride and arrogance and, and not can, and, and not showing weakness and not, man, maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe now they believe in God, but maybe they've been sucked into a type of righteousness, a self-righteous type of living. And it's like yeah. you said, but like that pride is far worse of a sin than we think a lot of times. Yeah. Now, 
Now let's let's get into some nitty gritty stuff, yeah. you know, and that is like, okay, so someone is, uh, you know, someone is on staff and they're viewing porn. Someone in porn, uh, someone views this, views pornography. Is there a difference between someone viewing pornography and someone that is um, committing adultery? Hmm. What do you think? Well, I mean, absolutely. You know, there's a there's a there's a there's a wide difference between the two. Um, when you look in the Bible, I mean, you, you have instances, I mean, we wouldn't, uh, we, we should call it porn, but you know, we might not say it as porn, but it's not like America invented porn. Porn has existed since people could draw, you know? <laughs> and so like, I mean, if people say like, you know, the Greeks and stuff, they didn't have porn. It's like, have you seen their statues or their murals? Like, dude, they're, they're just a bunch of naked people. Yeah. You know, and you really think that they're like, they're drawing it and they're like, oh man, no, this is just art. You know, no one's getting aroused by this. It's like, no, dude, people were going there. They're getting aroused. They're thinking about these things. They had these statues in their houses. It's like, what do you think they're doing with them? You know? And so, uh, of course, people have always viewed any uh, types of porn. And for sure, like when you go into books like Ezekiel, for sure. Ezekiel mentions specifically people like crawling into people's houses and seeing their walls painted with, you know, uh, different types of pornography, basically porn images. Uh, and, and he talks about the different statues that they have in their homes that are definitely porned, uh, pornified, uh, pornified images as well. Uh, and, and he definitely condemns those things. They're wrong. And, and we've talked about why they're wrong in other podcasts. But uh, there's definitely a wide difference between somebody having lust of the heart and lusting after a woman in their heart and self-gratifying to her. There's damage there, but there's far more damage between me doing that and then me going and physically having sex with a woman. And we see these, these, these distinguishing uh, marks being made all throughout the Gospels and all throughout the New Testament letters. Because like I said, they're not living in a culture that was immune to pornography. However, Paul certainly seems to make a, a definite distinguishing mark in 1 Corinthians 6 behind somebody who just thinks lustfully and somebody who actually goes in the temple, buys a prostitute, and uses her. You know, there's definitely a big difference. Uh, Jesus definitely talked about lust of the heart, for sure, in Matthew chapter 5. But then when you get into Matthew chapter 19, where he talks about uh, sexual sin and, and uh, qualifications for divorce, he doesn't say, hey, man, like if you lust in your heart, you've committed adultery, you're done, you know, divorce. He uses words that definitely say that you have to physically do something, you know, for that to be for to, to qualify for what he's talking about. So, uh, yeah, there's definitely a wide berth between someone viewing porn and someone actually having uh, adulterous affairs. Yeah. So <clears throat> if that's the case, then uh, like with someone who's a minister, um, what would be, um, you know, the next kind of uh, question that we would want to ask them? Like, okay, we know maybe they're struggling with pornography. Mm. Um, you know, then maybe we'd ask them something like, hey, well, um, what kind of pornography uh, are you viewing? Why would that be an important question? Yeah, because uh, as we've talked about before, the, there's different, there's wide varieties of pornography out there. I would definitely treat differently someone who said, hey, man, you know, um, you know, every now and then, you know, I, I, I go on online and I, you know, I, I view, you know, heterosexual type pornography or, hey, you know, every now and then I, I flip on, you know, Skinamax or something like that. And, and, you know, I view something like that when my wife's out of town. Right. There's a big difference between someone who says something like that 
compared to someone who says, hey, man, like I, I view child pornography or, uh, hey, you know, like I, I, I like, you know, really intense types of pornography, you know, like degradation types. There's a huge difference. And also someone who would say, like, I'm viewing it every day, even at work. Um, then, then, and we could probably talk a little bit more about that, but yeah. if someone's, if someone says something like that, I would definitely handle that much differently than the person who says, Hey, you know, every now and then I'll, you know, I'll flip something on maybe like once or twice a month or something like that. Yeah. So it's an important, <clears throat> it's important to get it. Now I, I know a lot of people just at this point go, well, w wait, no time out. Hey Bo, you know, if he's just, if someone's viewing porn, that's it. They're just done. They're just, mm -hmm. they're, they're done. They're out that's it you know um but what we're saying is what i'm saying is just rethink that for a second hmm. you know just rethink that for a minute because you know any any minister that's coming on staff that is you know part of this generation has already seen probably a lot of pornography hmm. or has been around it has seen it um he's lived in a porn culture he's might have even become quite comfortable with it um, meaning it's a part of his life, meaning pornography is in a lot of people. It's just normal mm. and meaning, meaning it's functional. Mm. It's, it's, and, and I would say it's no different from going to the gym to relax, get a workout or having a glass of wine for a lot of people. That's how it feels. Mm. It's like a, it's just a detox. It's like an unwind. That's what pornography is. Mm. And and thing is, the reason why I think it's important too is because you, what you're doing is as, as a leader, you're now starting to get into really this person's life and really helping them. Hmm. Meaning that you're not just you're not just going, oh, you're into porn, oh, no God, you know, boom, it's like done, you know, that kind of thing. Again, that that's reinforcing everything that I think is not biblical, hmm. you know. We're not loving. We're not showing the goodness of confession. If he if he did confess, we're not. Yeah. And maybe know. maybe we should talk about that real quick. Yeah. Of like, what yeah. what would be the difference? Like, what what would you say, Bo? If, uh, would be the difference between you maybe walking into my office and catching me view por viewing porn, viewing porn, or me confessing? Yeah, and that's a big difference. I think. I think if someone is at a place where they're watching pornography, a pastor is watching porn in the actual office area then you know as a the person who caught him you know that person's really really uh knee deep mm -hmm. and what i mean by knee deep is it's not it's not that he's knee deep in porn that's not really the actual issue the issue is is that there's a breach as far as what he uh thinks is okay um Meaning there, there is no like in a sense sanctity, or there is no, there is no like holiness. There is no idea of like, hey, you know, he he he's missed context. The mm. context is just so off in his life, mm. where this is so normal. This is such a normal behavior, um, and, and it's such a it's such a uh, pull to this guy that he's willing to. Um, you know, he doesn't see the, the the problem with using work computers or things like that. Um, so there's some kind of breach there, you know, where he, he doesn't see the the importance of, of you know, saying no, hmm. you know, at that time. And, and beyond that, I mean, if, if someone's, 
if we catch someone viewing porn, then beyond the sin of, of simply viewing pornography, there's a huge breach in trust. Yeah. Where where now it's like, you know, I don't if I if I bring this to his attention, even if somebody says, I'm so sorry, I'll never do it again. I don't know how genuine that is yeah, because absolutely. I caught them. They might just be sorry that they got caught. But, you know, I, I think even on even ministers, uh, I mean, if I walked in and saw some, anybody playing video games on a on a computer, to me, that would be pretty much a firing offense. Hmm. You know, I would much rather, and this might seem <laughs> radical, but I might, I would much rather have someone definitely on staff who struggles <clears throat> with lustful inclinations who is open to talk to me about it and is working the graces of God. You know, he's in groups, he, he's in confession, he has these things going in his life because um, there's going to be battles, you know. But if, if, if some guy thinks it's okay just to come in or some girl thinks it's okay just to come in and, and play video games, um, you know, to me, that's a breach of trust. Hmm. It's like, um, you know, I've never played a video game in 23 years of being <laughs> on staff, you yeah. know. Um, and, uh, you know, that, you know, but that might not, you know, I understand that's not, I don't have a pull towards that. Someone might yeah. have a pull towards that. Um, but again, that would be a breach of trust too, to, yeah. you know. So, so there's those type of things. So context is everything and learning someone's context mm. on staff is important. Kind of what's the issues? You, you're going to be shocked if you start talking to your, your staff and you really start opening up about your life too and you really allow them to open up about their life too. You're going to be shocked especially when it comes to sexuality. And the mm. reason why is because we're all sexual beings and we all experience sexual things differently. Mm. And so you're going to be shocked at how people do sex, how much sex, um, what their sex is like. I mean, you you, you will be blown away. And, and to say someone's disqualified mm. because they enjoy sex, you know, to say, oh, well, you know, you're, you liked having sex like that. Like, man, I don't, I don't know if that's right. Hmm. Like, I think you're disqualified, hmm. you know, because you have that kind of like, you, you like it like that. Yeah. You know, um, <clears throat> again, that's, you know, when, when we read things like first Corinthians or first Timothy chapter three, the passage that we look at really strongly in ministry, you know, a bishop, uh, uh, or an overseer there, um, must be a blameless, uh, uh, the husband of one wife. So a one woman man. Hmm. That's how I heard this is always in the, in the actual Greek, one woman man. Hmm. Um, so monogamy, hmm. you know, this is teaching monogamy here. Hmm. Um, some people look at this and say, if you're divorced ever in ministry, that this, that, that, that you're disqualified hmm. and they say, okay, now you're disqualified. And, and, and so, but it, what, I, and I guess my point in saying that is that this really doesn't say much. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> this is just saying, okay, you're in a monogamous relationship, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But, but so I think what we do as leaders is we look at things right based off the fruit of the spirit. Right. You know, do people love, hmm. right? So 
And in that is self-control. So pornography would come up as an issue probably of self-control. Right. And, and even one of the words there is that, is he temperate, sober-minded, right? Are they able to control themselves, control their, their thoughts and their, their patterns? Yeah. Know? Not that we don't struggle. Obviously, if I need temperateness, if I need sobriety of mind, that means that I'm I have, in a fight with it. I have a fight, yeah. yeah. I mean, if if it if I didn't need it, then it would just be like I would just have one mindset, and that's, that's holiness. Right. You know, that's right. but that's not true for any of us. And, uh, you know, also when we're talking about these, these issues, it's not that, you know, if a breach of trust or if someone um, has confessed to these things, it's, it's not that we're saying that you just, like, you just say, hey, you know, like, well, grace saves us all and just, you know, I trust you. You know, there, there, there should be some sort of, especially if there's, uh, if there's a catching in the act or something like that, there should be definitely some boundaries and some definitely things of, like, there needs to be, I need to see repentance in your life. You know, yeah. there has to be something, you know, are you in accountability groups now? Are you, are you working through this thing? Are you taking it seriously? Uh, that Those are the things that you would need to see uh, for sure. Uh, before, like, like we said, that you could you could really trust someone in a position like this. Yeah. Um, and uh, one one other thing that I would like to mention is like, if I'm not, and this has actually recently come up for us, you know, if I'm not in a in a position where I'm talking openly about my own issues and struggles, and the topic of sex is such like a like a crazy one in my life, where I'm like, you know, like man, like someone said it, you know, and and I kind of freak out a little bit about it. What happens when someone that I'm ministering to mentions that they struggle? You know, like, how am I going to react? You know, am I, am I going to, like, freak out? Am I going to say, like, man, like, you know, dude, you need to, you know, this is serious. You know, you need to do this and, like, and kind of panic them. Or am I going to be able to, to ask those questions and be like, you know, well, how far has this gone? You know, what, what do you mean when you say that? And, like, really be able to discern what this person is actually talking about when they say they struggle and unless uh, as opposed to like i said lumping into a certain category that i have in my head of like what this means um but actually being able to ask those questions and seeing like you know where are they at where can we go from here uh how do i deal with this practically and those issues yeah and that's 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 vital i mean what you're talking about is a relationship though with the person hmm. you know getting to know a person and it, and it you know for for guys like me man i mean you know i think there's no way i should be in ministry I mean, I mean, and I think most of the people I know in ministry, I'm not sure if I see anybody that really, (laughs) that I say qualifies, you know, because when I read like things like Ephesians chapter five, that says, you know, fornication and all uncleanness, let, let it not be even named among you as is fitting for the saints. Mm. You know, maybe we can talk about that passage in the next podcast too, Mm. a little bit. Um, you know, but, you know, I, I sometimes go, man, you know, I mean, we all can see people's sins pretty good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And and whether it's pride or puffed upness, you know, or even the silent sins, man, the ones where you know to do right. That's what I was hinting at last week, mm. meaning, you know, the right thing to do, but you don't do it. Just don't do it. Yeah. Yeah. Meaning even that neglect, mm. you know, is a grievous sin. Yeah. Um, You know. But, uh, you know, I, I look at my own life and I go, wow, gosh, there's, I am like Joshua, man. I am, I stand before the angel of the Lord and I do have filthy garments on. And the only one who could wash that clean is Christ. That's the Mm -hmm. only one. That's the only way I can minister. I only could stand in the blood of Christ. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's the only thing that puts me into this position Mm -hmm. and there's nothing else. There's nothing I can boast in at all. Um, because I see that this heart is deceitfully uh, wicked 
and and though I find wonderful uh, help in the church through uh, the groups that we have and the relationships within the staff hmm. and the relationship within the pastoral ministry, the boards, you know, which which is there an openness and an opportunity to to talk about in a real way, you know that develops um, the uh, the ability to um, you know walk in safety as a minister and uh, in a place where um, also um, there's a there's just a realness where it's it's not like I have to be fake. Hmm. you know and i think that's that's helped me out a ton you know um uh you know i don't know if if someone put on a uh a lie detector and things like that and um you know i don't know how many of us would would uh you know i mean god's lie detector man i don't know how many of us would make it through that door <laughs> you know what i mean yeah to you know so so you know it's important you know in leadership to you have to get to know people. You have to get to know your pastors. You have to get to know what what they struggle with. You have to, you know, it's, of course, it's going to be different. If You know, ministry might not be a place for someone who is really entrenched in something that is very, meaning if they struggle with looking at women and they want to literally have sex with some, some women, then, you know, being, hanging out with women is probably not, you know, in a church environment might not be the best place, hmm. you know, for them. Yeah. You know, so if you have a minister who's struggling with, you know, you know, loves teenage, even say, say let's, let's say, okay, there's, there's a, a scenario where someone, you know, a youth pastor goes, hey, you know what? I do have a confession to make. And that is I, I, I love watching teenage porn hmm. and and, or they say, hey, I, I watch pornography. And you go, hey, what kind of porn you know, are you watching? And you should ask that. You should ask that question. What kind of porn are they watching? Because they might say, you know, it might be something like, well, man, I just swimsuit issue. You know, it might be, you know, a monogamous kind of man-woman kind of thing. You know mm. what I mean? You're like, oh, okay. But it might be, no, no, I tend to, I tend to just want to watch teenage pornography. Mm. Um, and they're your youth minister. You know, and you ask them the next question. Well, like, hey, do you have you ever thought about the youth? You know, uh, and they might go, yeah, you know, I do. I do struggle with that. I do struggle with looking at the students and and you know thinking about that. Well, how long has that been going on? You know, well, it's you know I've been struggling for a good year. Mm-hmm. You know, with this. Well, then you know it. it it's not that he. Can't, it's not that ministry's not for him. Yeah. And you got to understand that the confession of him coming to you is important. Yeah. You know, it's because God wants to do a work in his life and wants to use him powerfully. Yeah. You know, Satan wants to just put him on a shelf. Right. You know what I mean? And you got to realize that as a minister. Yeah. So it's like now you have to go, okay, well, you know, ministering, you know, I want this guy to minister because God's using him. Mm. You know, or I want this girl, whoever it is, you know, but I, I want to build him up. I want to have a fortification around him. Right. Um, and so, you know, let's, let's move him away from that student ministry, um, where, and, and build him up Yeah. and let, let him work with the men. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's the first Corinthians six, you know, all things are lawful, but not all things are beneficial. Right. 
And uh, I mean that. I mean, I know we're talking about sexuality, but I mean that that would work across the board for anything. You know, if someone struggles with, uh, you know, theft or, or something like that, you wouldn't put them in charge of your money, your collection plates. You know, like you you have to understand where people are at before you understand where to put them in ministry. Yeah, um, it's just like well, think of it this way too. I mean, you gotta you think you bring up a great thing, and that is, you know, what if you have uh, say a youth pastor who's just fat? Yeah. Right. He's just fat. And you go, hey, man, you know, he never comes to you. He never confesses to you. He never says to you, hey, you know what? You know, I, you know, he doesn't do that confession of I know I'm fat. And I know that, you know, I've used this ministry, you know, eating the pizzas with the kids. You know, we go get donuts. We blah, blah, blah. You know, it's all part of the, 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 the you know, church expense, you know, kind of thing. I've kind of used that to kind of medicate, you know, I've been medicating, Mm. you know, food is how I do it. You know, if he doesn't do that to you and he just keeps ministering and he, you know, and yet the environment he's in is just creating, he's just created a real safe place for his eating habits, you know, his junk eating habits then I don't, I mean, we're not helping him either. Yeah. You know, it's like, that's not benefiting either. Mm. But yet, yet, yet people can go for years and years and years, their whole ministry fat. Mm. And no one says nothing, Mm. you know? And yet someone struggles and says, someone even comes to a confession and says, hey, I struggle with pornography and it's like you're disqualified yeah <laughs> you know yeah you're disqualified you here know? they are fulfilling the bible confessing seeking accountability That's right they're they're seeking, you're disqualified you're done. <laughs> you're done you're on the shelf yeah. you know you're put on the shelf and to me that just seems really wrong yeah. and and that's why you know we bring it up is that um you know there's many sins you can see sins of pride on staff where people don't want to work. People don't want to clean the walls. People don't want to wash. People don't want to take out the trash. People don't want to do the toilets, things like that, where those are issues of pride and sloth Hmm. and laziness, which Pascal says there's debauchery and there's sloth. Those are the (laughs) evil ends. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, you know, and it's like, you know, those things, get rooted in people where they stay on staff and they don't take care of any of this. And that just goes on and on and on and on and on. Yeah. And you try to maybe confront them and they're like, Oh, whatever, you know, they don't think much, but that, there, there's that pride that's in them, hmm. you know? And so, so relationships, no matter what, how we slice this pie, relationships have to be developed hmm. and we have to know where people are at and, and those type of things. Yeah. And if I've, if all I've done is just like rip on certain sins, I mean, there's no way my fellow staff members are going to feel comfortable confessing to me. That's right. You know, if I just say like, you, you guys better not be doing this, you better <laughs> right. not be doing that or else you're done, you know, like then, I mean, who would actually say anything yeah. in that type of environment? It'd be, it'd yeah. just be too weird. And everything's so, I mean, all I knew pastors know that, that are probably listening to this go, are re- getting the idea that everything is so different, meaning every situation is going to be so different. Mm. Everyone's going to be unique. And just as our situations are unique and um, just as if, if all of us talked about our own marital sex lives, Mm. they would be unique Mm. and they would be, you know, some, for some people that would be uncomfortable for other people and unnormal Mm. 
Mm. And for other people, that would be very comfortable and very normal. Mm. And so me and me and Peter have learned this just talking to professional sex counselors. Yeah. That 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 one person's normal is not another person's. But what what carries the day is is it love? Hmm. Is there love in the environment? Are you guys loving? Do you care for one another? Are you guys thinking about one another? Are you enjoying one another? Those type of things, hmm. you know, um, you know. And so th- those are important things. So what we're saying you know, is definitely, you know, create a culture on staff where you're talking, you're able to get intimate with your staff, Mm. where you have an open relationship to discuss these matters. You Mm. know, that's the, um, and the more that you stay on your knees in confession, the more you're going to be able to handle other people's confession as well. Yeah. You know, so we'll end the podcast there. It's been a great one for sure. Um, definitely check us out. Um, our Twitter, our Facebook, everything at Running Light Ministries. Um, check us out on SoundCloud as well. And we're in the iTunes store. So you can check out the podcast and get it, uh, the updates um, automatically, which is awesome because I, I love it. I get in my car and bam, there's the new podcasts and I just take play and I'm ready to go. <laughs> so it's awesome. Um, next week we'll probably talk a little bit about maybe Ephesians four and some passages like that. And how do we deal with those passages, Mm. um, when dealing with issues of sexuality, especially in leadership. Mm. And maybe we'll talk even more intimately about, about how, um, about, you know, sex and ministry Mm. and, um, and pastors and, and kind of our sexual lives Mm. and, and how to keep that private but yet how to have a person in our life that we are talking uh, with them about it. Mm. So we'll stop there, and thanks for listening. Mm. Check out runninglight.org to begin our two video series, Take Flight and Love or Lust. You can also send us questions on Twitter at Running Light or on our runninglight.org podcast page. Like us on Facebook at Running Light Ministries, Psalm 36.8. They are abundantly satisfied with the fullness of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your pleasures.